Hello and welcome to the Handcrafted Podcast. In this episode, episode two, I'm going to be talking to Lisa Davis, who is a bubbleologist. Now, a lot of you won't have heard what a bubbleologist does, and I'm going to leave it to Lisa to explain what that is. But needless to say, this episode was quite surprising in a, in a good way for me, uh, because it was interesting to learn how something as seemingly simple as blowing bubbles has led Lisa to working around the world um, in shows in countries like Saudi Arabia and Spain, but also closer to home is helping her to fulfill her passion for working with people with special needs and bringing joy into their lives. It's a really, really fascinating life that she's created for herself around what is essentially soap bubbles. So I hope you really enjoy it. Here we go. Hi Lisa, how are you? Hey Rich, yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Uh, Went for a test yesterday. I'm in lockdown. Proper lockdown. Yeah, we're we're all in we're all in lockdown. Um, unfortunately, it's one of the trying the trying uh, signs of our times. Yes. Welcome to 2021, the continuation of 2020. Indeed, yes. Of lockdown. So, thanks for agreeing to do this interview. I'm really pleased to have you on. I wonder if you could explain to the uninitiated what a bubbleologist is. A bubbleologist is an entertainer that uses soap bubbles as a medium to engage audiences. And I use soap bubbles in a way to interact with children, children with special needs, adults with special needs. And then through that, I run a therapeutic intervention because I, inter- um, I add the yoga that I teach into it. Right. So what, um, what then might a typical day in the life be if you've been booked for a a gig I'm going to call it a gig what would a day in the life be how would that work so a day in the life of January 2020 would have been I was working at autism for autism Wessex at their school called Portfolio School and I would go in and I would teach bubble yoga and so the room was set out with yoga mats and I'd have up to eight students and their staff so about 16 people in the room And the children would come in and they would do some body um, awareness techniques and breathing techniques and really support their regulation before they go over to the light up bubble tables. So I set the room out in two parts. Um, There would be tables set up with LED lights and cups and lots of bubble toys, things that I'd even made or things that I bought that children just find really easy to use and things that that would really encourage their breath work to do lots of deep breathing and um, playing together and doing social interaction and just allowing that opportunity of um, freedom but within guided play so they would go back from once they'd done the yoga go over to the bubble tables and then I would pull them away from a favored activity and bring them back onto the mat and do some regulation and a meditation And the results were amazing. Every week, the children were coming in with more and more um, better communication. And as I say, communication really badly. Um, And the the eye contact and the impulse control, everything was improving really fast because it was such an engaging activity. 
So that would be my weekday job. And then at the weekends, I would be either doing children's entertainment parties and hosting a one or two hour bubble workshop for up to 30 children. And it was very magical and really quiet. I love making parties really quiet where the kids are so mesmerized and sit and so engaged with the magic that's happening in front of their eyes that the parents all relax and just go, wow, this is great. This is so relaxing. And so I like creating parties which are really different. But then also creating that sort of really exciting vibe when we would go outside and make giant bubbles. So it was a part indoor and part outdoor show. And then if it was a festival, I'd be doing outdoor entertainment, walking around with LED light costumes, making bubbles. I want to ask you about that uh, festival side of things in a bit. Um, interesting what you said there. So you're, you're doing sensory, therapeutic sensory bubble workshops for special needs kids, mm -hmm. uh, which is trying to bring them out of themselves. And then you're trying, you're doing mainstream parties, which is trying to put the kids into themselves. <laughs> is that, is that, is that what, is that right? Um, kids are kids and kids, depending on what their regulation levels are, um, are able to engage in different ways. So the children with autism might find it really hard to sit down. They might find it really hard to even make an eye contact with you. Um, and they might find it really hard to stop the play and find that they really want to get involved and get mess and slime or the bubble solution all over them because they just need to have that experience straight away. Whereas the other children, um, maybe in the mainstream setting, have been conditioned to come in and sit down and behave and are very attentive and not always, but um, sometimes they just wanna, um, yeah, have that opportunity to get immersed and play straight away. So it's finding that really sweet balance of meeting the child where they're at, finding their sort of, their little ins where you can go, okay, I know that you like this and okay, we're gonna wait here or no, no kids, really let's get hyped up. Let's go and play right now. And I've got this most amazing thing and you're all gonna come in. You're all gonna stand inside a bubble, but one at a time and you're not allowed to pop it. So it's, um, it's about, yeah, just creating that opportunity to, yeah, for kids just to play and then adults to play as well and find their childlike self inside them. What do you think it is that draws you to, uh, I guess, draws you to play and in particular, what draws you to the special needs side of, of, uh, of your work? Mm, good question. The play aspect, aspect is that I really enjoy playing myself. I want to be immersed in activities and experiences as much as possible all the time. And I feel like other people find that infectious with me and I can facilitate that within them. And it creates this sort of harmony within themselves because they're the opportunity to have that freedom just to explore and experience and just enjoy the moment as it is together. I think that's what creates that sort of um, play love because yeah, I just like creating community and I like communities that are happy and joyful and smiling. Um, even if it's just for a short time. Um, and the special needs part is that I've always 
been intuitively drawn to children with special needs. So when I was at school, primary school in year four, I would volunteer myself to go down to the playground into the infant end and go and help a child who just didn't know how to play. So I'd walk around the playground and take him to the tunnels and teach him how to walk through the tunnels. Or I'd um, help him play with the other children and create little games and do ring a ring of roses. Now looking back at that, I was like, wow, I'd, at every playtime I'd go and see him and help him. And I really enjoyed his company. And then he's, as an adult, um, he's got Asperger's and he finds social interaction still really difficult. Um, he was my neighbor as well. And then also at like a brownie camp, I would volunteer to have the child with their special needs. And, um, and I just really enjoyed it. The fulfillment with it was, it wasn't, it wasn't anything on my part. It was just, I enjoy interacting with people. And I understand that sometimes people find it more difficult and it just needs that some person, that one person just to kind of help guide them. And so that just naturally went into um, working at a youth club for special needs when I was doing my volunteer program with, I don't know, with Millennium Volunteers or uh, Duke of Edinburgh. And I was, yeah, and then I became a youth leader through that naturally with Dorset Youth Service. And then I went off to summer camp in America and I was put in a placement for children with disabilities. And yeah, it just naturally flowed and I've just kind of fallen into that job role and naturally built the skills. So it really is... Sorry, I was going to say, so it really is like a, a lifelong vocation mm. for you. If, if you, if you just, if you've done it naturally since the beginning, uh, since the beginning of when you can remember. Yeah. Because one of the things that I know about you, uh, and you're right, you, you do tend to turn up in a room and introduce an element of play to whatever's, whatever or whoever is there. There's not, not really a time when you walk into a room that you don't walk out of the room and everyone in that room knows who you were and wonders what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but one, one of the great things for you, I think, must be, I've seen you standing in the middle of a park several times and just get bubbles out. And all of a sudden you're surrounded by kids. And then 15 minutes later, you're handing out business cards. It's the easiest marketing I've ever seen anyone do. I'm quite envious of it. <laughs> you obviously find that easy to be comfortable amongst lots and lots of people. Do you find that you're missing that right now where bubbles are basically carrying, they're, they're basically super spreaders for a virus? Do you, are you finding it really difficult to not be surrounded by people? Mm. I have not experienced depression like I did last year with not having that interaction with children like not having children around for nine weeks I've got a huge family we have lots of young children in our family and to not have that interaction with them was sad and then not to have my job was just there was no sense of purpose I completely lost my way I didn't know how to find that like my own medium of where where my joy was if I couldn't interact with people and so I felt very lonely and very isolated and we did go on to I worked with artist Ben Irwin to create some um, online digital content and it came out brilliantly it looks great the play aspect is there but the feeling that I experienced after for not having anyone there to witness what I was doing or to have that feedback I just 
kind of crashed again and it was this real roller coaster the corona coaster um of ups and downs and until we could get camping again and being out in a field and finding nature and finding the natural play that you can find being out in a field with friends did i feel normal again yeah uh, you're one of the people who um you're like a sunflower i guess you sort of glow when people are looking at you you don't like to be hidden away which makes sense in your mm. in your career as an entertainer um talking about yeah. fields um your festival performances are particularly interesting and fun and although you seem to have a a natural affinity to working with special needs kids when you do festival performances and you wear costumes which are lit up with multicolored lights with smoke coming out of bubbles on on light boxes i've always thought that seemed to be where you looked most natural so there's a couple of there's different sorts of festivals with different themes so at secret garden party um i, I co-created a show um and it was all with tribal dance and fusion so it was all about getting people moving and immersed in the experience so it wasn't just a one-person show everyone would get involved so everyone took a back a, a sensory memory of that experience um i think that's what i always really try and get into people's senses and um and then walking about at the light up pool with my led light dress called Lum and the character is called lumiere 2323 and that is a completely different experience because you're working with members of the public that have never really seen a, such an obscure thing walking down Paul High Street and people are absolutely curious to what it's about and what I'm saying and how I'm interacting with people and kids just coming up and just saying absolutely crazy weird questions about where I came from and what was my story and and just that opportunity to do improv acting and being uh, that like just creating that world of imagination for that person in that one-to-one -one interaction or with their family or with the extended people that are watching I just like to create a moment for people to take home and yeah just go what <laughs> that was that was weird but wow it's interesting isn't it when when um, people don't know what to expect then they are amazed beyond belief i had a i have a friend who does lighting for weddings and he said people don't know what to expect from lighting so they're always amazed by it but people know what they want from the flowers so they're always underwhelmed wow so it's one of those great things where if you turn up as a complete surprise people had no expectations so they're always i guess entertained or amazed or, or or put out of their comfort zone i'm always astounded at how bubbles can make every single person stop it can make cars stop in their tracks you've got to be really cautious about performing near a road um, and it can make animals react the only complaint i've ever received for making bubbles was from a wedding next to a horse field and the horses had all got spooked by the bubbles so we had to stop bubbling um, and yeah it's even five years on after making bubbles i'm still absolutely completely immersed in the play and that makes me really excited that i can wherever and um, however i make 
the bubbles. I made them at the Avon beach the other day and immediately drew a crowd and loads of joy and people saying thank you. And I was just like, it's just bubbles. And I'm just <laughs> happy about making this. And yet the, the amount of joy that it creates for people is astounding. You're quite a, a groundbreaking performer in several ways, but in one particular way, because you went out to Saudi Arabia to become one of the first female performers out there. So not only were you drawing people with bubbles, but you were drawing people who had had no access to even the kind of entertainment that you do ever before. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it was it was a really great invitation to go and support uh, Will, the tallest bubbleologist in the world, he's a UK performer and he was allowed to take a female entertainer with him. So he invited me along, which was a great honour. So we were there in October and in April that year, I can't remember which year it was, 2017 maybe, the new crown prince of Saudi Arabia had let the females go and see sports in the stadium together. And so women were allowed to go to the cinemas as well so this whole new absolute groundbreaking change was happening in the country so when we were there we were performing uh in Riyadh on the streets uh for the national day parade and we were we were in the fire lane and the men and women and the children would walk up past us and they were wearing full black abayas it's a very muslim country so it was very strange to perform to people that only made eye contact and the people weren't so especially women were not allowed to show expression so they were just there standing there watching and that was quite strange and i could see the excitement and there was some women that broke and they lifted up and they got excited and they like started chasing after the bubbles and then got finger wags that they shouldn't be doing that i got a finger wag for singing so I was performing and whenever I fill up the bucket and everyone's watching me, I'm like, well, I've got to make it a little bit more exciting because I am only just putting bubble solution into the bucket and there's 50 people watching me. So I break out into a song and I'm not a singer, but I'm singing in English and I'm singing an nursery rhyme. And I know that that's exciting for the children and everyone's engaged. And then somebody told me I shouldn't be singing. No singing, not in our country. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, very interesting experience. Um, giant bubbles in the hot, dusty desert actually doesn't work. So uh, what we did use was bubble guns that you can just buy in a shop. So I stood there in gender neutral clothes. So I didn't show my neck. I wore a shirt all the way up to my neck. I wore a top hat, so I covered my hair. And uh, I wore striped long trousers, which was definitely showing my female figure. And I wore a man shirt. So it, it, we tried to like kind of suppress the female look to be sexy. The French performers, they were, um, they were carrying these amazing puppets, giant polar bears and a sort of a ship to go alongside it. And they were wearing tights and heels and long skirts and long flowing tops. And they had their hair showing and they were asked to not go out and perform. They said, you cannot go out and perform. You're not allowed. 
And so they went, well, the whole team are not allowed to play. And so they go, well, okay, we, well, we've paid all this money. You are going out. Okay, the, the deal is that the women stay as close to the ship as possible and are not close to the crowd. They are too sexy. And it's like, wow, you're just showing a bit of hair. But I yeah. was allowed in my gender neutral and not wearing makeup and not showing my hair right up to the bars. It was a really strange moment that really hit home that I was like in a country that was so suppressed. I made, so I've got a bubble net. Whenever I dip the bubbles into the, um, the solution with the bubble net, it, it creates a cascade of bubbles and it's so exciting. It's very unique. It's just this whirlwind of fun immediately there. And the children were popping it like they do in every single country. And then this mask, yeah. so that it wasn't a corona, it wasn't a corona time, but this masked security guard came along, put his arms out wide like a big, like a bird drying its wings on the water and moved the children away with his body and told them that they were creating a blockade for the, um, for the walkway and that they weren't allowed to play. I was like, wow. it was only there for a minute. It really was only there for a minute. He wasn't watching and he wasn't enjoying the children having that enjoyment. And he was afraid of the huge security that was around. It was a bizarre situation. And then the really bizarre thing, when once we were stopped performing, I could see what else was going on for the show. And they had um, the big music stage. And at the end of the stage, um, well, they had the stage and then they had two separate areas. So the men wearing their white, beautiful robes and then the lady in their black abayas, full face mask, and then the children wearing their normal sort of clothes up to the age of seven. So any children that were over eight, they would be wearing the national garment. And um, they were separated by a one metre um, fence. So they had to go and see the music separate. And I was like, wow, I've never seen that. And their sort of union of women and men experiencing it together, like the brotherhood was strong. You could see it. The men would put all their arms around each other and hold hands. And the womanhood, like the woman sisterhood was, um, they were strong as well. They, they had their culture. It was the women and the men separate. And that's where they felt comfort. You could see their union there. And this sort of nervousness of the families walking along, watching the entertainment was experienced elsewhere. Wow. Mm. That seems like um, a unique experience. It's, it's a story that really should be told because you don't get an understanding of exactly how oppressed it is without hearing people like you talk about that. I, I knew that women have only just been allowed to drive, but I didn't know that children weren't allowed to play with bubbles. It was, it was, the, it was the blockade that they created because there was this walkway for the, everyone to go on a one-way system to get past the street entertainment. So there was other jugglers, there was us bubbleologists, there was walking hedges um, and some other people. And it was all really amazing, really engaging, but they were only allowed to walk at this very slow pace that was constant. So when I created this area of play, it created, yeah, the, the, the flow of people couldn't go properly. And so they, right. they paused. Okay, so it was all your fault anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you had any response from that? Like, I, I don't know if it's possible, but has anyone that saw your performance got in contact? No, didn't ever see any images. There was a TV crew there 
but they refused to interview any females. I wasn't even allowed to be in the background. They interviewed the juggler from England. Um, and I never saw any images. I thought it was going to be beautiful because I was making all these smoke bubbles because the small smoke bubbles worked and it looked amazing as the ladies with the black abeyas were catching them. So this white smoke bubble and, and the children around and you could just only see the expression in their hand reaching out and their eyes. And I would have loved to have had those images and I have nothing. I have, I, we, we were working for an agency and it wasn't even my gig, I was supporting Will. Um, and so I never got to see those, that image or videos. It was a shame. I've looked and I can't find it because it's all in Arabic. Um, and so there, say la vie. Uh, and I have had a gig with Will. We went out to Barcelona and we were performing for Damien Lazarus at the Sonar Music Festival. And there is um, YouTube videos of that performance. It was quite cool. He was, he got us to do bubbles across the crowd and he gave all of the crowd a flower each, this beautiful flower. So this bopping 3,000 person crowd um, with flowers and bubbles and, um, and he created, he had this suit made for him that looked like a giant hedgehog I thought um, and he, it blew up on stage as he was performing, it was quite a spectacular to be part of um, so that's available but the Saudi none, I, I do have a lot of videos and footage and I just have no idea how to put it all together, order it, it's my nemesis in life is having lots of really great imagery and not knowing how to use it to my advantage oh don't overthink it no. <laughs> just, just get it out there yeah just get it out there yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because your bubbleology obviously takes you globally what's the pinnacle of your career where would that be in the future? What's the biggest thing you can do as a bubbleologist? My goal in life is not to do all of these spectacular stage shows. My goal is to create a therapeutic intervention and support people to create what I do in my workshops so I can create a training program. And so lots of people can be creating the, pro, uh, the, the joy that is what I want to spread. And so, yeah, I just want to create the sort of the bubble yogi program or under squish and pop i'm not sure how it's going to go but um i want to be reaching out to as many people that have anxiety stress and give them an opportunity to feel at ease and have a gateway through to other therapies by just finding ease and feeling safe and secure within themselves through play and that's my goal in life is to yeah to push through that almost like a franchise squidge and pop franchise yeah that would be wonderful yeah that would be wonderful squidge and pop by the way we should mention that your business is called squidge and pop we haven't <laughs> i've not said that yet i'm really sorry about that hi i'm lisa from squidge and pop i'm a bubble artist a bubble yoga teacher and uh, all of that jazz all of that jazz that's great so before i let you go i guess i should ask you if there's anything, A, is there anything I should have asked you? And B, is there anything you want to tell people? So what are you doing? Where can we find you, etc.? Um, what am I doing in life? I am waiting for the Corona Coaster ride to stop. 
I would like to be get out there performing. Uh, and when lockdown restrictions do lift, I host children's birthday parties. I um, I'm really hoping to get back into care homes and support people with dementia or just in living in a um, in a residential unit or going into schools and teaching bubble yoga. If anyone's interested, get in contact and we can put things in place. But in the meantime, uh, I have just created a home studio and I'm able to do one-to-one -one or group interactions via Zoom, either teaching sensory yoga, especially for children with special needs. That's a big, strong point of mine. And also I am doing bubble classes, if anyone's interested in doing um, an educational or edutainment session over Zoom. That's all ready to go now. Get in contact. That sounds amazing. I'd really like to see how you do that. That sounds really good. Yeah, I need to record it and then put a little promo video out. That's my intention of this week. Goal of the week. Goal of the week. Yeah, we all need those. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Rich. I really appreciate your time. It's been really interesting, fascinating, in fact. It's, it's amazing how much you've done by blowing air into fairy liquid. I'm really impressed. Bubbles are good currency. <laughs>